How is everyone doing? Good? Good. I, okay, I gotta, I gotta start off with some confession. I don't know if you guys noticed this. Uh, I, was, I was gone for a couple weeks. Um, and so I just gotta be fully transparent. God called me uh, to a mission uh, for a couple weeks and I had to step away. He called me to Hawaii. And um, I, I went to Hawaii with my wife and ministered to the sea turtles and whales. It was great. Uh, but I'm glad to be back. You know, the joy of the Lord is in this place this morning. Does anybody else feel that? Come on. Man, we, uh, we're going to be continuing our live series. I had so much fun in Romans 8. I said, let's do it again. Let's do it again. So we're going to go through four weeks of Romans 12. Does that sound good? Four weeks of Romans 12 is a great, great book of the Bible. Um, and so let's just jump into it. Let's start reading. Romans 12, 1, it's from the NLT version. It's also behind me on the screen. It says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all that he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifice, the kind that will find acceptable. This is truly the way you worship. Now let's just break this down a little bit. It starts off with, and so. And so, this is an important word here, and so, because what it's asking is, is now that you've read through Romans chapters 1 through 11, and you have heard of this amazing grace of Jesus. You, you've heard the gospel for 11 chapters now. You've heard about how, how you got all these things from God and he's adopted you into the family and all these amazing miracles of grace. And so, now what? Now what? You, you, you've heard of the gospel and some of us have stepped into this gospel, this new way of living. And so, now how do you live? That's what Romans 12 is about. How do you live? Pastor Dan, and wasn't it so good to see him here the last couple weeks? Come on. I, I mean, when we were in Hawaii, I was watching the service and I was just lost it. You know, he walked, okay, I'll go on a tangent there. But, um, and so, Pastor Dan told me this a while back when he talked about reading scripture. It's not just the reading of scripture that's important, it's the application of the word of God. So when it comes to the gospel, now that we know the gospel, we receive the gospel, and so how do we respond? How do we, as Christ followers, respond to this? Well, the answer is this. The gospel should lead to transformation in your life. If you are stepping into the gospel and you're living in the gospel, your life should be transforming. There should be things in you that are changing. You should be developing new habits. You should be speaking a different way. The gospel should be transforming you. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated baptisms, right? Can we just make some noise for everybody who got baptized a couple weeks ago? And when, when, we, when we, the verbiage we use in baptism is this outward expression of what God has done in you. We say to you when you get baptized, and if you've been baptized, you know this, that when the water's being poured over you, you are buried with Christ. That, 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 that you, you're, the old you is being buried with Christ just as he was buried after he died on the cross. But as you come out of the water, or in our current situation, as the water's finished pouring, we say to you, that you are raised to walk in new life. That the old you is gone. It's, it's gone. 
You're a new creation in Jesus Christ. And that's why we do baptisms, is to symbolize this outward expression of that. That we are not just different people. I want, I want, to, I want you to hear this. You are not just a different person when you accept Jesus. You are not just a little different here and there. You are a completely different person. Completely different. And so it says, and so I plead with you, brothers and sisters, to give your bodies to God. I know there's been times in my life where I've read this, and I was like, God, are you sure you want this? God, are you sure? But it's not talking so much about your physical body. It's, it's, it's not a physical giving. It's a spiritual giving. It's, it's saying that, brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give everything inside of you to God. Everything. Every moment. Everything you do, offer it to God as a sacrifice. And I came up with just a couple things that we can think through this. That what it's saying here is these three things. It's saying that God wants your past, your present, and your future. He wants everything. In your past, he wants, he wants you to give those hurts to him. He wants you to give those addictions to him. He wants you to give those joys, whatever that is from your past, he wants all of it. And I know that there's some people in here who have experienced the freedom of Jesus Christ by giving your past to Jesus, amen? It's so healing when we give God, when we offer that to him, we sacrifice our past to him. Now that's the, almost the easiest one. It's, it's, it's easy to give our past sometimes, not always, but it's harder to give him our present. To give him our present, and not just how we're feeling in the present moment, but to give him our job. Say, God, I give you my job, and I ask the question, when you go to work, do you go to work with the outcome to get money, or do you go to work with the outcome to honor God? Do you give him your, your job, your, the money, your family, God, I give you control of my family. Don't let me lead my family how I want to. God, I give them to you. Everything. The next thing is my future. God, I give you my plan. I give you my five-year plan, God. You control the outcome. For the young adults in here, I give you my one-month plan, God. I give it to you. I'm just joking, don't be mad at me. <laughs> I give you my plan, God. I give you my time that as I'm sacrificed to you, I'm giving everything inside of you that I know my time doesn't belong to me. It belongs to your will, God. I mean, even as far as giving you, giving God your passions. Giving God your passions, because we as humans, we have one goal really in life. We want to get to this place where we can retire, right? There's some people who are close that are just like, amen. We want to get to this place where we can retire. But here's the thing about Christianity. We don't retire from it. We, there, there's no retirement plan in, in your walk with Christ. There's no 401K with your walk with Christ until you've left this earth and joined him in heaven. So when he's saying, give me your bodies, he's meaning give me everything. I want from the beginning to the end, I want everything. And there's, there's, you could hear that and say, well, it, well, that sounds selfish. He wants everything because he is smarter than you and me. He knows what's right for us as we continue to read his scriptures. And it says this, because of all you have done, 
right after he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, it says, now you can do this because all God has done, all he has done for you. What it's saying here is simple. Just remember what has been given to you by Jesus. Remember what it is. I wrote down just a couple things that we studied through in Romans 8 just a couple weeks ago. We need to remember that through Christ we have freedom from guilt and shame. That you are not a product of your mistakes. You are a son and daughter of God. He gave us that. He gives us uh, this adoption into the family. He gives us the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that offers continued connection to the creator of the universe. I don't know if you guys, I, I just said, I just said, he gives us a speed dial to the creator of the universe. I mean, how crazy is that? That this big God who creates everything, the stars in the sky, says, hey, I want to hear from you. Wow. And it's crazy to me because I remember when I was first like diving into this as a new believer, I was just dipping my toes into the gospel of Jesus. I would hear this, that you can talk to God. I was like, I'm sure you have to be an elite Christian to do that. you got to work through the step system of Christianity to get to that point. But the, the gospel's clear. There is no step system in faith. We are all on the equal playing field. And we all have the same opportunity to call our heavenly father, to talk with him and allow him to talk back to us. The question I want to ask is, is your phone on the hook? Are you taking advantage of this amazing gift, this connection with God? I could do a whole sermon on that. The other thing he gives us is his, this future glory that we talked about in Romans 8, that, that we don't have to take our day-by-day -day time here on earth as the end. We have a future glory that has promised us, an eternity in heaven. And because he does all this and so much more, something that stood out to me in this is because he does all of this, we should respond with giving our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. But really, it should be just, just for who God is we should offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. If he didn't give us anything, if he didn't do anything for us, he's still God, and he still deserves our sacrifice. Amen? And then we continue to read. It says, let them be living and holy. Sacrifice the kind that he will find acceptable. Let them be living and holy. I want to break these two things up real quick. Living, meaning alive, active. The reason why it's saying that living in the scripture here is it's saying that this is not a one and done sacrifice. This is an active, alive sacrifice, a daily, an hourly, a minute by minute surrendering of me to God. This is active. And then it says holy. And holy literally means to be set apart. That, that you're offering your life to him, you are setting apart your life for a specific purpose. That's what holy means. That you are setting your life apart for something specific for God to use. And I came across this story of John R. Fox. We got a pic of him. This is John. He was a uh, World War II soldier. He fought for the United States and he was sent to Italy to fight the Nazis there. And he, he was battling with his soldiers and there was a battle in the city and 
eventually the, the Nazis started to push the Americans back and the Americans had to retreat. And in that retreating moment, John got separated from the rest of the soldiers. They moved a little further than he did. And he found himself trapped in a two-story building overlooking like 40 Nazis right under him. And he knows that his American soldiers, his brothers, are just a couple blocks behind him. So he starts to peek over this ledge and he starts to call down airstrikes on the Nazis. And it's boom, boom, boom. He's clearing a path for his soldiers to get out. But eventually he gets to the point where he looks over the edge and he realizes that there's too many and they're getting too close to his soldiers. He knows what's about to happen. So he makes this amazing, amazing decision. He radios, he calls, and he gives the location. And the response back to John was, that's your location. That's your location. And here was the words he said. He said, fire it. There is more of them than there are of us. And at that moment, he lost his life. But by the sacrifice of his life, the American soldiers that were behind him were able to escape. He set his life apart. He set it apart for a specific purpose. He wasn't concerned about his own well-being or his own what, what ifs, what the future for life. He said, my brothers matter. Now this was a physical sacrifice. What God's calling out of us is to set our lives apart for his glory. That we, we set our lives aside and serve our brothers and sisters. That, that this life is not about me. I need to set my life apart so you can find the gospel of Jesus. So, so you can, I can help you move close. I can, I can love the right way. I'm setting my life apart. So when it says, offer your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, it's saying actively, day after day after day, set your life apart. Set your life apart. And it continues to read, and it says, this is the truly the way to worship him. Worship meaning bringing honor to his name. Do you want to truly worship God? Then actively surrender your life daily and set it apart for his glory. That's what it's all about. That's what he's calling us to do, to daily be sacrificing our own desires and our own wants and setting our life apart for his glory. You guys still with me? Romans 12.2 says this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It says don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. I got a really good, deep, spiritual takeaway for this. Today, in our world we live in, there is a lot of people, majority of people think this, that the Los Angeles Rams are gonna win the Super Bowl today. But what they don't know is that there is a man coming from Ohio named Joe Burrow. He's gonna win the Super Bowl today, that's my prediction, okay? You guys thought it was gonna get really deep, huh? It's so funny, in first service there was a guy just like all Rams. And that right when I'm saying, I'm looking at him, and he was just shaking his head. You know, shaking his head. So don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. What it's saying is, is we have to be different. 
If, if, we, if we call ourselves Christ followers, which means Christ-like, we should look different. We should act different. We don't need to just copy the behaviors, and we live in a world that is trying to conform us into a certain mold. You need to look this way. You need to have this by this age. You need to talk like this. You need to like this. You need to not like this. It's, it's trying to conform us, but what God's word says is don't follow that, follow me. And I came up with three things here. I call them the three Ps when it talks about behaviors and customs. They're this. First P being pleasure. A behavior and custom, pleasure. Meaning the world would view pleasure as do what makes me feel good. I've, I, don't, I can't count how many times I've heard somebody, but Shane, it makes me happy, how could it be wrong? Shane, it feels good, how could it be wrong? The second P is this, possessions. Possessions, and, and most of the world's standards, if we're honest, would say when it comes to possessions, get as much as you can. Get as much as you can. Get as much money as you can. Get enough cars and toys and big houses. And, and the more you have, the better you are. That's how the world would view possessions. And the third P is this. Your position. Your position in life. And the world would be saying to us, get the glory. Get the glory. Become famous. Become somebody who people know and they talk about and they give you praise for how great you are. Become, become that person that people remember and, and give you the glory. But as we read later on in Romans 12 too, it says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Don't be conformed to the patterns and behaviors of this world, but let God transform you. Transformation comes with closeness to the creator. When we are close to God and we allow him to transform our mind. Why this is important is what we, what we spend time with and what we think about and we spend time in shapes the way we think. Shapes the way we view the world. If you disagree, go through your social media feed. Go through it. You probably think a lot like it. Go check what you're watching on TV. You probably think a lot like it. What, what, what Paul is saying to us here is that if we want to not be conformed, our minds have to be transformed. And the only way we can find this transformation is being close to God. Allowing this creator God who created everything to transform us from the inside out. But if we spend time closer to other things, we will start to look like that. So it's, it's like he's pulling us in. Hey, come here. Let me transform your mind. Don't let the world transform your mind. And transformation or transform in the ancient Greek, uh, the ancient Greek word means metamorpho. Metamorpho meaning metamorphosis. Right? And when we, when we think about metamorphosis, the first thing that pops into my head is a butterfly, right? A caterpillar into a butterfly. And I promise I did not wear the shirt planning that I was preaching this. I just did it. And I, I, I think about a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And we all know how this process works, right? Caterpillar climbs up into a tree, builds a cocoon around itself. And in that cocoon, it starts to grow legs and wings and antennas, and it becomes beautiful, right? That's how it works, right? Wrong. 
how it works, and I'll just be honest, I spent way too much time studying butterflies, getting ready for this message. <laughs> how it works is a caterpillar goes up to a tree, gets in the cocoon, and once it's in the cocoon, it starts to die. And it gets to the point where it actually becomes like liquid mush. It dies in the cocoon. And out of that comes a butterfly. Do you guys get what I'm saying? That, that if we want to be transformed or we want to experience heavenly metamorphosis to where we become new creations, we have to get into that spiritual cocoon and die to ourselves. Be broken down to nothingness so God could rebuild us into this beautiful butterfly. It's, it's in the cocoon. When, when, when we're broken down, when the old us dies, where the metamorphosis happens. But in, here's what ends up happening a lot of times in our life. If we're honest with ourselves. Okay, God, I'm going into the cocoon. I'm becoming a new person. But I would like to leave that out. I'd like to leave that part of my life out. I don't want you to touch that, God. You can, you can have 98% of me, God, but that 2% staying out of the, co the cocoon. It's not going to get transformed. So for some of us, those percentages are different. But if we're honest with ourselves, that's how we, we view this transformation process with Jesus. But when you read his word, it's all. It's you are submitting all of your life to this metamorphosis process to becoming a new creation in Jesus. So the challenge I want to give to you, the challenge I want you to think about this week is where are the areas in my life that haven't entered the cocoon yet? That, that I haven't allowed to die? That I haven't allowed to be broken down and taken away? And this week I'm giving them to God. Because I don't know about you, I know about me. I want 100% transformation. I, I want it. I, that's, I desire it. But we have to be willing to go through the dying process where things in our life have to die. Amen? Amen. So the caterpillar goes through this process just like we will. So if we go through this process of transformation or metamorphosis, how should we view the world when it comes to these three Ps? When it comes to pleasure, it's not what do what makes you happy. When we are transformed in our thinking, it will be do what is right. Do what is right, no matter if it hurts, no matter if it's hard. So we have this awesome gift of God's word that gives us boundaries and, and ways to live life to the fullest. And so we know what is right and wrong. So our minds will change from doing what makes me feel good to doing what is right. I just had a conversation with someone this week who they were having to have a hard conversation. And trying to figure out how can I get around this conversation. I asked the question, are you going to do what's right? you got to have this hard conversation. And it's going to be really hard for you, but it's the right thing to do. That's how we'll live. When it comes to possessions, it won't be get as much as we can. We'll start to develop a mindset to give what isn't ours anyway. When you allow God to transform your mind, you realize that every single thing you have, everything, is given to you by God. Everything. A gift that is given to you by God. And when he transforms your mind, you start to hold things a little more open-handed. 
You start to say, yeah, I have this, I have this gift, I have, this, I have the finances, I have the time, but they're not mine anyway. So I'm gonna give them. I, I, heard, a, I heard a podcast once of a guy who was sitting next to a billionaire on his deathbed. And they were kind of talking about life and they had developed a good friendship. He was a Christian and he, he was a, the guy who was sitting next to the billionaire was a Christian. He said, hey, if you could do, get one more thing in life, what would it be? He looks at him on his deathbed and says, one more dollar. One more dollar. See, when I talk about the transformation of your mind, that's what I'm talking about. If you are allowing God to transform your mind, yes, money is important, that stuff is important, but you view it as, it's not mine anyway, so I don't really need to focus on it. I'm gonna hold it open-handed and give as much as I can to help people, to bless people. And the third thing is position. If you allow God to transform your mind in the way you think, You'll go from give me the glory to give him the glory. You'll start to not focus on building your own platform, but you'll focus on when people look at you, they see the gospel of Jesus. That's what you'll start to build in your life. That it won't be, tell me how great I am. You'll start to have conversations with, can you believe how much of a wreck I am, but how great he is? That's the conversations you'll start to have. It's about this transformation process that when we do this, our pleasures, our possessions, and our position, how we view them starts to change. I gotta get going because we have a lot more. You guys gotta go watch the Super Bowl. (laughs) Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If you do this, if you allow God to transform your mind, and as he read through the first 12, um, the first little bit of Romans 12, he says, "If if you do this, you, you will know what God's will is for you. So I wrote this down. This is what God's will is for your life according to the Apostle Paul. One, you need to remember the grace and mercy of God, past, present, and future, because Paul says this when he says, remember all he has done. Two, you need to worship him with complete surrender, offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. Three, you need to fight conformity by not copying the behavior and customs of the world. And four, you need to pursue closeness to God, allowing him to transform your mind. According to Paul, this is what the will of God is for your life. And why this is important is he's not saying this because he doesn't want you to have a great life. He's saying that if you live your life like this, you will have the best life. God doesn't want to keep things. He doesn't want you to have a boring life or he doesn't want you to have an unhappy life. He wants you to have the best life. So he's given you the system to follow, to surrender to him, to worship him, to get close to him and allow him to transform your mind because he knows it's the best life for you. Romans 12.3 says this, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourself better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by faith, God has given us. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. It's like the warning signs are going up. Paul's like, warning, 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 Will Robinson, warning. And why he's saying this is because what Paul's about to get into that we're going to spend the next couple weeks talking about is he's about to start talking about spiritual gifts. And what Paul knows, because he's seen it, is that he sees that spiritual gifts can often lead to pridefulness. That, that these gifts that are given to us by God can sometimes lead 
us to being prideful. That these, these spiritual things that God gives us freely, we can put ourselves on a pedestal. And so Paul's like, warning, warning. He says this in the next line. Don't think of yourself better than you really are. Don't think of yourself better than you really are. Don't be prideful. And it really sticks out to me in this because it wrecks me when I think about this. That God is giving us these spiritual gifts that we're going to learn about in Romans 12 for the rest. And he's giving me all these things. And he knows my thoughts. Is that weird? It's like he, what he's saying here is don't, don't think too highly of yourself because remember, God knows every thought that runs through your head. He knows every word you've ever said. He knows all of this. He's still giving you the gifts, but don't think it's anything that you did. It's 100% the grace of Jesus Christ that you get this. And it comes from a sacrifice. It comes from a sacrifice. It comes from the sacrifice of his son Jesus on the cross creating a way for us to enter into relationship with him. And the next sacrifice is ours. It comes from us sacrificing ourselves, our bodies, our wants, our desires, our will, and giving it to him. And I ask this question, what do I bring to the table in this? What do I bring to the table? And I've come to one conclusion. The best and only thing I can bring to the table is my emptiness. It's my emptiness. It's, it's emptying myself so God can fill me. Getting rid of as much as I can so God's power can work in me. And then what a great line it says here to close this out. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Be honest. You know, honest evaluations are hard. When we're, we have an honest evaluation about us, when we, we dive to these deep, dark places of our life we don't like to touch, and we start to evaluate those, it hurts. But it's important that we evaluate ourselves honest, honestly. Because when we do that, you realize how big and great the grace of Jesus is. How amazing this is. Because if I evaluate myself, I'm a sinful, broken, ill-thinking, judgmental, prideful man. But because of the blood of Jesus, I am a son of God. That's my honest evaluation, but because of Jesus, that's not who I am. That is not me, I am a son of God. And the reason why it's so important for us to evaluate ourselves is because the more we dive into our brokenness, the greater our vision of God becomes. And here's the thing, I'll close with this. This, this sacrifice, this living sacrifice, this emptying of myself, God doesn't need it. God isn't up in heaven hoping I, I do this and hoping I empty myself so he can get through the day? He's not. He's, he knows I need it. He knows I need to sacrifice myself, to empty myself, to, to get rid of all my own wants and desires and wills because he knows what's best for me. So as we evaluate ourselves, we have an honest evaluation this is, 
not who we are. As a Christ follower, you are a son and daughter of Christ. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father God, we love you and we praise you, Father. We pray that this week that we would just empty ourselves more and more every day, that our, our sacrifice would be alive, that it would be living, God, that it would be a daily practice, that we would just surrender to you over and over and over again. Everything inside of us till we become empty and you fill us up, God. We love you and praise you in your holy name. Amen.